Welcome to Season 4 of the Law Firm Data Governance Podcast. I'm CJ Anderson, founder of Iron Carrot, the Law Firm Data Governance Specialists. I'm thrilled to have a new season of insights about working with information and data in law firms. Data governance is the key to unlocking your firm's potential. But it's not the only area of data activity that's important for your firm's success. That's why, in this fourth season, I'm delighted to share some of my recent data conversations. My guests this season are thought leaders in their own areas. Each has a unique perspective on the importance of data to law firms. Join us as we talk about capturing, finding, using and governing data in ways that can add meaningful value to the firm's strategy, operational processes and everything in between. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Law Firm Data Governance Podcast. Um, my guest this week is James Markham, the Head of Business Partnering at Denton. So welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Let's start by um, explaining to people who, who don't know you um, a little bit about your, your current role and your career journey and, and how you work with data and kind of how you've, you've got here. How did I get here, isn't it? There's an existential question. Um, yeah, so I suppose I've probably best be described as having a bit of a portfolio career over the last sort of 10, 10, 15 years with a mix of consultancy and sort of senior management roles, uh, mainly within UK law firms. Uh, and the uniting thing being kind of driving profit, driving cash flow within those. As I say, currently at Denton's as head of business partnering, looking after innovation and legal tech, legal project management, commercial finance and practice management. So quite a broad range. And as you can imagine, a fair bit of data underlying all of those teams. Um, and sort of get getting ready to plan my next chapter in 2024. Um, I think in terms of kind of data, I probably almost go back to the beginning. You know, I, I trained originally as an accountant and as an auditor. Uh, so really, you know, as a junior auditor in the weeds of whatever shed in Stoke that I happen to have as a client, you know, ticking numbers back from what's in the accounts through to whatever, underlying invoices, sales invoices, purchase invoices, et cetera. And I think probably at that point, probably just like an increasing kind of awareness of how can technology help to uh, either interrogate or just reduce that manual effort around that kind of ticking and bashing. And then moved into sort of a, an operational consultancy role, sort of lean Six Sigma type basis in terms of discipline. Uh, and I, I think it's fair to say, I think the data probably came a bit sort of messier, a bit more fluid, bit more open to interpretation so not so much you know what did this widget cost can I take it all the way back to the invoice of the widget costing x but kind of you know when did that event happen and when did we record that event happening and are those two things the same and if they're not why aren't they and you know how do you measure quality you know those sorts of sort of more uh nebulous uh things and I think that kind of that contrast has always struck with it has stuck with me has, has stayed with me throughout that kind of contrast between you know okay at face value the data is telling me this thing you know but underlying that you know there's this kind of question of you know, how are we measuring it you know how can I validate what appears to be that kind of face value in so how can I test it quickly before I act on it um, and also kind of like how can I make kind of messy decisions where I don't have all the data you know when when do I have enough data to act when do I need to kind of test and I think that's a really you know, interesting part of when we talk about data, that kind of, you know, what is it for and, and how do we kind of manage that and some of the, the messiness and the fuzziness that comes with some of those areas. So 
from your perspective, what's the kind of data challenges or, or data opportunities that you're kind of tripping over most within your, your current role? I think it's probably the uh, the assumption that the report or the dashboard or the whatever, that, that the data is is right, whatever right means, sort of big quote marks, you know, without necessarily kind of kicking the tyres of that to understand what it is. You know, I, I think in, you know, when you talk to people who, who who maybe don't work in professional services, you know, you kind of say, oh, yeah, and these these kind of guys and girls, these lawyers, they record every minute, every unit of every time, every every minute they spend in a day. Uh, and they give you these really detailed narratives of what exactly they did in that six minute unit. You go kind of eyes light up and it's like, well, think of what you could do. Think of the possibility for process improvement. And then you kind of go, yeah, OK, but before you go rushing in, you know, you need to understand <laughs> there's quite a lot of gap that opens up between how long did the thing take, what was the thing and what got recorded in whatever your in-tab time, your company and whatever your time recording system is. I think understanding some of those behavioural dynamics, you know, around kind of under and over recording, you know, where where the soft time codes are, where some of the, the, the you know, some of your seven hours to partnership admin or whatever the equivalent is in your law firm, you know, I, I think understanding some of those dynamics and working out how you can unpick those to then kind of make the decision. I think that to me is, you know, not just in the current dentist, but like a perennial issue across kind of career to date, that kind of at face value, you've got lots of data and it's really, really good. But when you start scratching the surface, you realise maybe some of those foundations aren't as solid as you would maybe hope or had assumed. It's interesting to talk about the, the foundations. When you're thinking about process improvements or, or changes, how, how much of that focus is on the data that, that can enable that or, or the data within that and how much is on the behavioural piece? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to cop out with that with a bit of an it depends, right? I mean, that yes. was that was predictable. Um, <laughs> and 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 I suppose then what does it depend on? I suppose it depends on kind of the, what you're trying to achieve and what have you got to work with. I think that, you know, to kind of go back to the kind of reference around kind of Lean Six Sigma, that kind of framework, the define, measure, analyze, improve, control framework of moving through a process improvement project. I, I think the bit that I see consistently gets forgotten or missed or we you know we stum we just kind of keep going out of excitement to go and change the world or whatever it is the thing we want to do is that measure bit and that kind of okay just assessing what is the current state what's the as is testing the robustness of some of that those measurement systems and the data that, that, that where is that data being captured like right at the point of that you say that time entry to that point or pen is being put to paper how robust is that that we can then say, okay, that is a robust understanding of the as is to then say, okay, so then what levers do you want to pull? What changes do you want to make to then make those changes come back to it and say, yeah, you know, we, we moved we move that the needle, the profit went up, the cash flow went up, whatever it is, with some kind of robustness that what you're doing is, is valid as opposed to just sort of a shoot and hope kind of approach to these things. And I think when you kind of drill into that kind of measurement system piece, I think that does start unpicking the, you know, are there bits within this process where we're just not measuring anything at all? You know, I've, you know, I've kind of had to do kind of manual samples of things where you're looking for dates on invoices to kind of trace through some sense of what's the standard way of doing things. So you may be plugging gaps. That behavioural piece, you know, culturally, you know, is there pressure on fee earners to perhaps over record their time, heaven forbid? Or, you know, is there a profit pressure? So maybe there's a pressure to under record time. You know, understanding some of those sort of bits around the edges of that process improvement piece I think starts informing them where the focus is and do you need to build systems do you need to I don't know do training or behavioral change or, or whatever I think it comes out of really looking at that how, what are you measuring and are you sure that it's right 
do you get a sense that data quality, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is data quality kind of at the root of a lot of challenges or is it a contributor to a lot of challenges in a law firm space, certainly as they start to look for legal tech and, and different ways of doing things, or is it just another factor in the in the mix? I think it's always there. It's like a lingering smell in the background, isn't it? You know, it's always there. I mean, and, and maybe the smell is strong, maybe the smell is, is weak, depending on what it is you're trying to achieve. But I think I, I, I think in, in whatever the thing you're trying to do, so, you know, because I mentioned legal tech, if you're putting a new bit of technology into, you know, I guess make a, a process quicker or, or to take a step, whatever it is you're trying to do, I think you've always got to have a question of what is the data quality like? And you might kind of go, well, I'll kick the tires on it and it's fine. For, for what we need to do, it's fine. We don't need to do anything. Or it might be we've got none. It might be we've got some. It might be that it's built a little bit on the sand and we need to address that. But I think it needs to my mind, it needs to be an explicit question, but rather than an assumption. I think there's a risk that you kind of assume that it's all OK and you can kind of come a little bit unstuck when you're getting further down that kind of process improvement type um, initiative where you know you're not getting the benefits you're expecting because actually you weren't measuring what you thought you were measuring or, or or whatever so i think kind of knowing you know kind of like kind of as is to to be kind of move it's really good idea to know where you're starting right <laughs> to then have a sense of you know are you, are you going to get to where you're actually heading from where you're starting so i think that sense of kind of wanting to, to keep score and using the decent data to to get you from the your as is to your to be or where you are to where you where you want to be is it important to to kind of have a, a sense of data strategy or data governance or data management, whatever you want to label it, as a parallel stream to all of this stuff that's supporting it, or is it or is it something that naturally comes out through other activities? I think that there's probably two answers to that, depending on like I guess when you ask me. Like if you asked me, say, <laughs> 10 years ago, I think actually sort of data maturity was generally quite low. Um, you know, there's maybe an assumption it was owned by IT or maybe by the finance systems team or the HR. You can kind of tie to who's the product owner for the system that's collecting the data, if you like. And so therefore, in terms of any kind of improvement effort, um, and to your point, that kind of keeping score, I think you kind of have to build in those data collection and, and the, the measurement piece as you go. I think to be to be honest, I think to be fair, I think that is now getting better. I think you do see more uh, or, or greater data maturity, data understanding of it, um, more sort of cross-functional owners of end-to-end -end processes um, rather than kind of those kind of handoffs from one to another and no one really knows what the downstream does, no one really knows what the upstream does, but they just, they've just been given something to work with. So I think there's a, I think it is getting better, but I think so, you know, as with anything in probably in any sex, but certainly legal, but I'm familiar with, you know, that's not a universal statement, right? That there's there are still those kind of old practices of or data. That's all IT, isn't it? Or, or or whatever the kind of the mental shortcut that the senior management team have. So I think getting better, but road to go, which is probably music to yours, right? Absolutely, absolutely. But it's interesting to think. Like, what do you think really are the barriers? I don't know if the question is taking data more seriously or or putting mm. more of a let's say grown-ups, senior persons focus on data because there's a lot of I guess there's that kind of AI large language model type noise stuff and they said we want to do the cool things but then there's that but we're not really bothered about how the data gets where the data gets but what do you think is the, the kind of challenge to, to taking data seriously yeah I, I think it's probably an underlying 
data literacy point and that maybe a disconnect between the data as a thing and the you know whatever the shiny toy is that we're playing with at the moment to, to your point kind of large language models you know a few years ago it would be why can't the intranet landing page just have a google search bar like google has and it's like well because you haven't spent billions in r d to sort your data out to be able to surface that right um so i think that, that those those conversations i think just ha still happen you know and, and you know the, the the shiny thing that's got everyone's attention is is there i think the I, I think that I think sometimes what I see is, you know, where I think there's an understanding that being data led in decision making is sort of a good thing. And then, you know, conversely, not being data led would be a bad thing. But in terms of what that actually means, I think that there is probably sort of an education piece to, you know, to your grown ups in the room or the senior management team or whatever, you know, because I think sometimes when we say data led, what we mean is, is I've already decided I want to go over there. And now I'm going to go look at the dashboards and the reports that will kind of that confirmation bias thing or prove to me that that's the thing I need to go and do and go over there. Or I've done this thing because I thought it was a great idea and I'll look for the data to support that rather than on a more scientific method basis where I look for the data to tell me I got that wrong. I think it's a kind of a, yeah, a data literacy education piece, which isn't as exciting and as sexy and glamorous as yeah, here's chat GPT in a box for you, or here's your Google search bar over the top of your internet. But I think that's the, I think that that the, the difference between teams that perform well with data and those that don't, I think are those that have an understanding of that, not necessarily coming through at a detailed level, but having an understanding of just needing to test and say, well, that report over there says we should go left, but that report over there says we should go right. How, how are they saying two different things? And can we unpick that? And just a bit of, um, bit of challenge around, I think, what, gets surfaced in sort of that kind of management reporting suite or increasingly dashboards. The drivers for for kind of making those changes and, and looking at dashboards and, and kind of doing more with data and putting that education piece in place, are those kind of internal drivers to the sort of within or are they pressures coming from clients and, and outside or, or a bit of both? Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a really good question. I think, I think I've, you know, over the last decade or so, I think I've always, well, I suppose I've increasingly come to the conclusion that kind of that innovation, that change is probably most sort of powerful or profound when it's being client driven. And I think that's true in the data space. If you look at, you know, kind of pre-LLMs and AI and all the rest of it, but you know, you look at some of the requirements around e-billing, for example, and the extensive use of narratives and the, the automated screening of those bills to say, you, you know, you charge me for two cups of coffee in the photocopying and that's not it within our letter of engagement go back and try again I think actually if you look at that as a feedback loop assuming everybody kind of plays ball with it rather than just gives up puts it in sees what comes out the other end you know that actually starts driving really good data behaviors that sense of I upstream law firm are giving you downstream client really some quite detailed data and you're validating it back to underlying letter of engagement telling me I've got it wrong for whatever reason in theory, right, there's a feedback loop that makes me go as law firm, well, why did we do that? Why did we get that wrong? And can I put some validation further upstream? So I don't sort of embarrass myself giving the wrong thing to the client at, at, you know, at the end of the matter with the bill. And so I think where that's embedded, I think you, you, you kind of see those kind of really good practices of those feedback loops of correcting underlying data. Um, and I think that is, there's probably consistency there with law firms that have a heavy billing presence, so say with large banking um, practice groups or insurance practice groups, big users of that kind of e-billing setup. 
I think you see that kind of data maturity, then it kind of sort of diffuses, doesn't it, across other teams that you know, aren't necessarily using building, but that kind of, okay, well, why don't we just get the bill right before we give it to the client is a fairly universal, universally true thing that would be a good thing to achieve, right? But to your point, I think where it's being driven by clients, I think that's where you start getting the change, that cultural change, that behavioural change to stick, as opposed to maybe the more internal effort, which can be a little bit one shot and we're done, you know, so we'll plaster over the data, make the change and we'll move on. Whereas where it's being driven by the external forces, I think that requires a you know, more considered approach. I'm going to jump back to something else you said and and, and pick up on the kind of op- opportunities for data and opportunities for teams and, and doing things differently and, and kind of not, not doing the confirmation bias thing. <laughs> so are you seeing opportunities to, to do data properly? Whether they're taken or not is a different question, but are there is there a clear kind of set of things that that are you know law firm opportunities in this space that that you see? Yeah, I mean, I think there's so so yeah, I think there is there is opportunity, um, and then probably quickly follow it up with you know kind of a, a question as to how well equipped are we to deal with it? And I think there's a piece where you know long established law firms, even even not particularly long established law firms, actually have a lot a, a lot of data. So whether that's you know, precedents and tools and templates to help them run their matters in a in a standardised way, whether that's, you know, a wealth of time recording data that you can mine for, well, you know, on that sort of transaction, it tends to take us that long and that sort of transaction it takes that sort of long. You know, plus whatever else you've kind of got in terms of kind of qualitative notes within your case management system. I think the, the, the challenge is, is how do you surface that? Because all of that kind of rich data has been produced over many, many years without and without necessarily any kind of, if you like, big data is probably not quite the right word, like little to medium data, you know, but that kind of, none of that was kind of produced um, or entered into any particular system with a view to the outcome of, well, how can we leverage that? How can we leverage our, you know, unique history in this particular practice or in this particular niche within our marketing materials for our clients, for example? And so what you've got is just a combination of data in different systems that may or may not talk to each other. You've got data quality issues where people have kind of set matters up and they've just recorded it to your matter type other because they didn't know the, that that was potentially going to be an important field. And it might not have been an important field, you know, 10 years ago. And I think there is a lot of hard work and it's not very exciting of just cleaning that up and not to the point where it's pristine and perfect but to the point where it's usable and you can start drawing sort of meaningful insights out of it and I think that's to my mind sort of the data elephant in the room is there's a lot of data there again to your your point you know can you just stick an LLM on the top of it I mean arguably that moves you along a little bit better than where we were before that but it's still not great right it's still not as good as a properly structured you know, set of databases that link into each other and give you real meaningful insights about the markets you're operating in. So I think that there are opportunities there, but I do think that kind of the, uh, I don't know if it's an elephant or an albatross, uh, is that need to, to clean it all up to get to a point where it actually becomes use, usable. And if you're starting to think about making a business case for, for doing something with data, do you think that we need to clean it up to leverage the, the big tools is a strong enough case? Do you think firms would buy into that as a case? Or do you think you've got to glossy it up with and here's the client outputs? I, well, I, I think whenever you can tie it to a client output, I think that you know, that, that is a different realm of interest, right? That, that, that starts being more relevant to, you know, let's kind of just do a bit of housekeeping. I think it's how sometimes the internal stuff can land. 
And I think in terms of kind of building that business, it's probably, you know, well, as I know, I know you do when you kind of look at these kind of when you come in and help firms with the data governance bit, it's kind of where, where are the quick wins? So where's where's the little bit of data that if we just spent a little bit of time to clear it up or validate it or reference it back to a, a standard taxonomy of, of definitions or whatever, where's that quick win that enables you to kind of say to your managing partner, your CEO, your finance director, your CEO, whoever it is, look, we, we cleaned up this little bit of mess over here uh, and it generated this insight over there. Wouldn't it be great if we could maybe start tackling some of these bigger you know, problem areas, and, and these are the sorts of insights we try. I think you, you, there's a need to show and demonstrate that because, again, it probably goes back to your point earlier. Yeah, there, I think there is a bit of a disconnect between shiny new tool over here and the data that that, that drives that over there. And I think it's it's needing to kind of that the kind of storytelling thing of telling that if we did this little bit here, look at what it drives in terms of value either to us or to clients. And therefore, think think you know the, the the world is your oyster. Think how 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 much you could achieve if you could clean up some of this other stuff that's kind of just lying around on the back of the sofa. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'm going to ask you now for a a kind of final thought. So if you were if you were going to kind of summarise a piece of advice around data uh, in in law firms for for someone who's never worked with law firm data before, what final thought would you want to leave them with here? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. I mean, I think. I think probably just don't sort of take uh, don't take the data as read. You know, don't don't take it that that is the answer. I think just have a bit of curiosity around where did that data come from? You know, what system, what person did a thing that created that data point? And I suppose a little bit of empathy and put yourself in their shoes as you know, well, what pressure was that person under when they put that bit of data in that bit of system that came downhill and wombled out onto this kind of dashboard at the end of it? And I think just a, a little bit of curiosity to kind of just pick at it and explore it and understand it and understand some of those kind of cultural behavioural dimensions that might be at play in terms of what ultimately you're then trying to make a decision on on, on, your, on your dashboard, on your on your report. That's really brilliant advice. James, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast episode. No worries at all. Always a pleasure. Thank you for joining me for this Law Firm Data Governance podcast episode. I really enjoyed chatting with James about data and data within data change and process improvement. If you liked this episode, please share, like and review it so that more law firm leaders can learn about data governance and how to manage data in law firms effectively. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of this season's data conversations with law firm data thought leaders. Or head over to ironcarrot.com to get in touch with your questions and ideas for future episodes.